Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today is Jill Conrath, internationally known sales strategist, speaker, and best-selling author. Her first book, Selling to Big Companies, was praised by Fortune magazine as a must-read for sellers and has remained on Amazon's top 25 sales book list since 2006. Her second book, Snap Selling, Speed Up Sales and Win More Business with Today's Frazzled Customers, jumped to number one on Amazon within hours of its release and continues to be a top seller. Jill has generously offered to share insights from her latest book, Agile Selling. Jill, welcome back to the program. Jim, I am delighted to be back. You're having you back here, Jill. I was thinking, you know, over the years we've talked about your other books, and now we're going to talk about your new one. But selling has evolved over the last several years, and it appears that Jill Conrath has evolved with it, and that evolution has been captured in the books that you have written. Is that kind of a fair statement? That is exactly a fair statement. Um, I, I like to write about sales problems, real challenges that people are facing. So when I wrote my first book, Selling to Big Companies, the one challenge that I saw that was overarching was one I was personally experiencing. I would try to reach corporate decision makers. I would call them, and they wouldn't return my call. I'd leave a voicemail. They'd never call me back. I'd send an email. I'd never hear from them again. And I thought, whoa, something has just happened here. And at first, I was pretty nervous about it because I thought I was losing my mojo myself. But then I started talking to other people, and I heard it everywhere. Everybody was struggling with it. So I actually spent a full year studying how to, how to get in, you know, what it takes to get in the door, and wrote, wrote the book about that. And then the second book, Snap Selling, was related to, again, personal experience. I mean, I had really hot prospects that would disappear into a black hole. And, and they would never call me back or it would take months before they'd get back to me. I went, again, I went, something has just happened. These people are not getting back, and they even wanted to move ahead. And the more I looked at it and analyzed the situation, I realized that everybody was crazy busy. And I also realized that what it took to sell to crazy busy people was fundamentally different than what it took to sell to people who had enough available time. So your your latest book, The Insight Agile Selling, comes from what then? What did you realize? Well, it was really interesting what happened to me. A couple things kind of um, happened at one point, but after writing Snap Selling, I had a ton of salespeople come up to me and say, you know, Jill, this, this Snap Selling is really working, and it's, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people that, you know, and it's, it's your, your strategies work. And then they'd look at me and they'd say, but I'm frazzled too. What advice do you have for me? And I thought, well, I'm not a time management geek, you know. That's not my strength. And so for a long time I kept deflecting the question. But the more I thought about it, what I realized is that it wasn't just a time management issue. It was an information management issue. That sellers today, in order to be uh, the kind of the kind of salesperson that buyers want to work with, they need to have um, more insight, more information. They need to 
be up to speed on a whole lot more things. And so real, realistically, the average seller today has more to learn about more things than they've ever had to do in the past. And so what I do know better than virtually anybody out there is rapid learning. I know how to help people be, you know, increase their learning agility so they can learn all this stuff faster so that they can be proficient much more quickly. Learn more things faster. Faster. Mm -hmm. All right. So what are the more things to learn? Oh, my God. Want me to start listing them? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, maybe the short list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you take a look at what's going on in any sales organization today, and and there's always new products and services that come out, and and people want the salespeople to, you know, go jumpstart the product and services. But then the economy goes down. Boom. Now we have an economic situation to deal with, and it starts to rebound. And then then we have Obamacare, and half the, you know, institutions in the U.S. are struggling with how does this all fit together. And... um, and then they want to do overseas sales, and that changes the game. And the customer has changed so much. And what used to work with the customer is no longer effective. And so salespeople are pulling their hair out, saying, it's not working. They don't want to talk to me. Oh, by the way, they've spent all their time online learning all this stuff. They don't even need me anymore. So what do I have to do to be effective? And then they bring in, they take on a new sales job. And if you take a look at any any person who's listening and they're hiring salespeople, the, the ramp-up time is crucial. How do you onboard salespeople and get them up to speed so fast that they can really re, you know, be a return on your investment in them? So I think you're saying is um, what, what Peter Drucker wrote about years ago, the knowledge worker has truly arrived. The, the sales profession is now a knowledge worker. Um, it's not just about pitching products and making more calls. It's truly about having salespeople become valuable assets to their customers. And most salespeople have not had to do that. They, they think that their job is all about the product and the service and effectively conveying it and working with the customers who are, you know, ready to make buying decisions. But the reality is that just doesn't cut it enough anymore because our buyers can find all that information online. And they do. Well, but Jill, isn't it all about uh, the relationship? I mean, I can hear our salespeople saying that right back to us. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what they say. And, um, and, and a lot of uh, leaders tell them to go out and you know, build relationships with these people. But what we have to realize is our customers, our prospects, don't want another relationship. They're too busy. What they want is a valuable resource. And so unless salespeople can learn enough to ask insightful, penetrating, provocative questions, unless they can truly understand their customer at a very deep level, unless they know something that, is, uh, that would make their customer scratch their head and go, huh, I hadn't thought of that, they're not um, at the top of their game. So, Jill, are, are you saying or are you seeing that it's a... It, it takes a new type of salesperson today to operate in the environment you just described? Yes, it does take a new type of salesperson. It takes somebody who um, is willing to be a learner themselves, who is constantly focused on getting better, who invests time learning about things that they never thought they'd have to learn about so that they can become the, the differentiator. I'm going to go back to a statement you made earlier, and you said, um, like, speed learning, I think is what you said. Yep. And you said you're really good at that, right? Yes. So, uh, boy, what's yeah. what's the Jill trick? <laughs> <laughs> no tricks here, Jim. This is, 
Um, rapid learning is a skill, and what a lot of people don't realize is that learning how to learn is is um, what's called a meta skill. It's it's a higher level skill than any other skill. And by the way, because we have a lot of executives listening, Corn Ferry, who is an executive search firm, mm-hmm. um, has done research on this, and they say that learning agility is the number one determine, determinant of leadership success. Get that. Learning agility, it's exactly what I'm talking about, learning fast, sales agility. You know, it's about learning things fast from a sales perspective. But how do you quickly um, spot trends? How do you quickly see what's there? How do you quickly gather the information in order to make the right decision or to make the right um, the right, the right pitch, the right presentation? You know, whatever it is that you're at in a sales process, learning agility is crucial. Listening to you, Jill, and I'm, I'm thinking back to – my early days in selling, because I'm the sales guy that, um, I mean, I literally had to learn how to open the car door. Me too. <laughs> I, mean, I, I am not a natural-born salesperson. <laughs> I'm a sales guy just like you. Well, we need to, we just need to start our own club then, uh, because uh, uh, literally, just uh, how to shake a hand. I mean, I've seen people who are naturally good at this, and they've improved over the years. I'm not one of them. I just yeah. had to work at it. So when I, so what I'm, I'm thinking that... Going back, uh, which I probably take for granted today, but that that core ability to manage time, which is so fundamental in sales, because you're not in you're not in an assembly line job with somebody looking over your shoulder. So you have to be able to manage time. Mm-hmm. Then you have to be able to manage conflicting priorities. It's like sales is a great job until you start getting customers, because now you have to balance. <laughs> well, you have to balance their needs, and you got to get new customers and. And 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 then you're then there's uh, new like you said new product launches and then there's meetings and and you sit there I remember pulling my hair out saying well gosh I'm I'm getting traction here but my job just got a lot more complex and then you figure out how to you know juggle the balls right keep the right. plate spinning so you got that going on and then you have to learn quite honestly uh, some persuasive skills how to ask the right questions, and present the business case for what you see that they need. Mm-hmm. All right? So I'm assuming that's still foundational today, right? you got to figure that stuff out. Yes. Okay. And, and the sheer amount of stuff that you have to learn to be successful in sales has um, expanded exponentially. Then what I hear you saying is what it takes as a salesperson is not only being able to master that stuff, but then just getting really comfortable with, with change. Because what I learned today may not be effective literally um, 18 months from now. You are exactly right. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. In addition to Jill Conrad sharing her expertise on the topics of selling, you can find other experts that shared their wisdom with us here on BizTalk. Those are available as podcasts on our website and cover business topics in the areas of recruiting, leadership, marketing, performance management, sales and sales management, and personal development. You can download these podcasts from our website, biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. Okay, Jill, we are talking about one of the attributes that a salesperson needs today is really the ability just to change, roll with the punches, because what we learned today may not necessarily be relevant 18 months from now. You're exactly right. And that's why the, there is an agile imperative, I believe, right now, that we need to focus perhaps on hiring agile people who are already agile, focus on hiring learners 
people who like to learn and dive in because they have more of a natural affinity. And by the way, you can, you can find that out by asking people to talk about some of the things that they've done, you know, read recently, what newsletters do they find, you know, do they subscribe to, you know, why, why those, what do they get out of it, you know, what have they recently done to enhance their skills. I mean, you can really get into that when you're doing some interviewing to find out if you've got somebody who considers him or herself a learner, because that's what's crucial today. In your observation, Jill, what you're talking about is the onus on that individual salesperson to do that, or have companies picked up on what you're talking about and have they instituted some type of ongoing education program? From what I see out there, most it's really the onus is on the individual person. Now, that's what it is today. A smart company... On the other hand, one who re- one a company that really wants to upskill their people to be relevant to today's buyers will start doing things. Even an individual sales manager can create a learning environment for his, his or her team, where where everybody in the group is focused on on um, what's new and what can we bring to our customers and what ideas are out there and what do we learn. If you can focus on creating that environment, your whole team will get better. So I was recently asked to recommend a book to a college graduate, sales and marketing degree. And I thought, boy, I read a lot of books. And I think I have almost you know, every sales book published, literally. <laughs> uh, my wife would tell you, because they're sitting all over the house. <laughs> yeah, sound familiar? Sounds like my house. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I was thinking, you know, gosh, of all the books you read, what's the one? And so I recommended Frank Betcher's book, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success Through Selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Absolutely, I'm familiar with it. Uh, written, I think, in the 20s. If 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 it is not the 20s, it's the early 30s. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that right when I was about this person's age and uh, the impact it had on me. And uh, I just recently talked to him, and he said he's read it twice and how it's, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, that book has stood the test of time. And I thought, well, okay, there's a good fundamental book. And, and then getting prepared for our conversation today, I thought, man, well, maybe Jill's Agile Selling is the new Frank Betcher book. Because uh, Frank talks about, you know, this the fundamentals of what it takes to be successful in selling. But today, Agile Selling appears to be the new fundamentals. Where I'm going with this is the way you have this book broken out, which is about learning faster, improving your techniques, and then success habits, if you put those two books together and you study that, one is basically foundational and the other one is, well, here's the stuff you're going to need today. Do you see that too, or how do you perceive your work is going to be accepted here? Well, what's interesting to me um, about what you say is that I really do believe that this book belongs in the hands of every new salesperson. It, it, uh, it's interesting because I, I am getting very different reactions from experienced pros versus the new kids on the block. Um, I, I got an email the other day from a young man who was hired by a, um, a consulting company to do lead generation for them, and mm-hmm. they worked through the book, and he said it was wonderful. So I wrote back and said, Kyle, tell me how the book helped you. And he wrote back a 10-point list hmm. um, of how the book what difference the book made for him, even from the standpoint of, you know, because I think one of the chapters I have is called Get Over Yourself. And 
you know, a lot of people when they start a new sales job don't want to look weak. You know, they want to look like yes. they're smart and, and it was good it was good to be hired, but in the chapter Get Over Yourself, I talk about everybody has a 90-day grace period in a new job. And what you need to do is use that time to be stupid and to go ask what you don't know. It is your time to learn. And nobody expects you to be out of the gate, you know, at 100% quota day one. What they do want you to do is to become proficient as fast as humanly possible. So that was one thing. But he also used the whole section on how to learn about the company you're selling and their products and services and customers, the new information stuff, he used that to organize his learning and about specifically to focus his boss on what it is that he needed to learn so he could be effective. And he used some of the the time management strategies that I talk about, the habits of agile sellers. And by grouping and clumping his work together, he felt that he was able to save over two hours a day, you know, so that he was just that much more productive. And he talked about how rapidly he learned what he needed to learn as opposed to learning stuff that wasn't relevant or stuff that, or just having all that things, that stuff swirling around in your head. He used the methodology and got quickly up to speed. You talk about success habits. The one success habit that jumped out at you is what? <laughs> The one habit that jumped out of me really was a research-based habit was the cost of multitasking. Oh, the high, yeah. The high cost of multitasking. I mean, if I, I don't have my book in front of me, so I can't remember all the chapters in there, but when I did research on multitasking and the impact it had on learning retention, but also the impact it had on a person's IQ, I was astounded. I mean, I was blown away. So a lot of times, and this is about how salespeople work in general, but it's also about what happens when you're learning. Um, people jump in and out of tasks. Like yes. they'll, they'll read a little bit about something or they'll go online to study, you know, a competitor's website. Then they'll go to this and then they'll go to that. And they'll come back to what they were working on. They'll start a proposal and then um, answer some phone calls and see that they have 17 emails that just came in and do that. Um, research shows from a multitasking perspective that people are 20 to 40% lower. In, uh, it takes 20 to 40% longer to learn stuff if you keep jumping around. I mean, to me, that was mind-blowing, 20 to 40% longer. So what, do, what does that mean? It means that any time that we are in a learning mode, we need to have focused blocks of time where all we do is focus on that one thing so we can actually learn it. And then the other thing, and because it relates to sales, is the impact of uh, email and texting on on your thinking ability. And uh, salespeople are terrible for jumping back and forth. It's like they they get twitchy. You know, did I get any emails? Did I get any emails? Does anybody call me back? You know, they're twitchy about it. You know, thinking I got to get business. I got to get business. So they're always you know going back and forth. And research shows that um, that constant switching back and forth to email or texting alone. Um, drops a woman's IQ by five points and a man's IQ by 15 points. So It sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody is good at multitasking. I mean, that's the reality of it. The brain is not able to simultaneously do two different things at once. It's like a... It's like driving a car, pulling, you know, a a trailer behind it. You know, it's like a drag on the system. And if we really want to speed up our learning so we can increase, you know, the path to proficiency, then what we really need to do is get people very focused on one thing for, you know, a period of time with no interruptions. I call that the multitasking myth. And in our company, Jill, we all take our 
specific activities and create an event around them, meaning an event is a block of time on our calendar. We're going to focus on one thing. Sometimes it's new business development. Sometimes it's writing. And sometimes it's just doing a research. But we focus just on one thing. And what I've learned is when I have that block time on my calendar, I go into the conference room because I'm not distracted by all the projects that are sitting on my desk and my email's not turned on, and I can focus on that one thing. So what's the tip that Jill has learned about staying productive you can share with the audience? First of all, I have a program on my computer called Antisocial. And Antisocial will not let me access any thing, certain websites on LinkedIn. <laughs> or not on, not <laughs> certain websites, like ones that suck me in. Like if I go to yeah. LinkedIn to follow something, boom, I, I, you know, the next thing I know I'm, I'm here and then I see or I go on Twitter or I, or I go to Harvard Business Review. I mean, I get sucked into these sites and I go down a rabbit hole. But antisocial prevents me from going to sites that are, you know, addictive in nature to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I also have a program called Backdrop on my computer, which allows, which totally erases everything on the back of my screen and only allows me to see the one thing I'm working on. Boy, thanks for sharing. I'm, I'm going to adopt those two things. Oh, my God. I mean, it, we have to protect ourselves from ourselves because... Literally, I mean, we're talking about neuroscience. The brain, the brain has that shiny new object syndrome. Oh, there's a cool link. Boom, down we go that down to that rabbit hole, you know. Or um, I should, you know, I wonder if anybody, if this person has responded to my email. Boom, we're over on email. You know, and, and our brain keeps telling us, do this, do that. You know, this would be fun. Or this might ease your, your studying. You know, you kind of need a break. <laughs> a couple... Off we go, wasting time. A couple of our entrepreneur guests who've built great uh, businesses and have talked about it have readily admitted on this program that they have ADD, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I believe, a trait that most entrepreneurs have at some form or another. Yes. And so it was interesting. I said, um, what appears ADD is on the rise or it appears ADD has affected this and that. And he had really good insight. He says, you know, Jimmy, he says, I don't think there's any more ADD salespeople than there were in the past. I don't think there's any more ADD entrepreneurs in the past. He said technology has created ADD symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it's forced, <laughs> well, it's forced people yeah. who don't have it to really act that way. Yeah. Jill Conrath is our guest. We're talking about agile selling. Before we took a break, Jill, we were talking about getting focus and the myth of multitasking. And, in fact, there's a great book out called The One Thing. It's a good read, and it talks about how how to get focused on the one thing that will drive forward your business or your career. For our business leaders who are listening, then you ought to think about how you're onboarding and training and orientating your salespeople or the consistent education of them. How do you get them focused on doing one thing instead of going into a meeting and and introducing 50 things, right? Right. You know, let me just add on a couple things. I mean, you you onboard new salespeople, and there is a tremendous amount of things that they have to learn, but there's no way they can learn it all at once, um, whether it's the knowledge that they need to know in order to do their job effectively or the skills they need to do in order to be effective in selling. So what we need to do is break things down into chunks and then start sequencing them appropriately. The first thing a person needs to learn 
is a little bit about your products and services, but then they, they really need to dive into customer understanding. And this is where a lot of companies truly miss the boat, and it's, it's something I stress extensively in agile selling, and I specifically give people what your salespeople need to know. I mean, here's the things that your salespeople at the front end need to know to get started, and then you add on from there. But don't tell people all this stuff. Sequence it in terms of must-know information now and then move to the next thing. So give them a base. Don't overwhelm them with too much. And then if you apply that same thing, that same sequencing thing to sales, and you're going to train people, um, first of all, don't, don't send them to the wolves and say, you know, well, just listen to Jim for a while. You know, he, he's pretty smart. Just kind of do what Jim says. You really need to outline, here's how we do things in our company. And for most organizations, uh, they're hiring people, and they have to do prospecting to get their own, you know, prospects in their own pipeline. They don't necessarily have deep um, lead generation budgets, and they're not, you know, people aren't clamoring to talk to them. So prospecting becomes the number one skill that a salesperson needs to focus on. And within the the realm of prospecting, we have a lot of subsets. And so we can break break prospecting down into things like um, email, voicemail, networking as forms of prospecting. And then you have to choose, what do we want to focus on first? Again, people can't do it all at once. We need a focus and we need a plan. And one of the things I do in the book is lay out a 90-day um, onboarding plan, whether an individual uses it or a company uses it to train a bunch of individuals. What you need is a plan to onboard people successfully. If you don't have one, it's hugely costly to an organization. Oh, absolutely. Again, that's one of the fundamental basic things that, that everybody overlooks. Still today, it's like, uh, here's your desk, here's your phone, here's your cards, good luck. Yeah, go get them. <laughs> go get them. Oh, and then, by the way, here's our CRM system. Track everything in there. <laughs> yeah, track everything in there. You know. All right, so a sales trainer told me one time, off mic, he says, you know, Jim, he says, when I'm doing a training class, and um, in any given time, there's 100 people in it or 20 people in it, he says, I'm really only talking to 5% of the attendees. It says most of the attendees consider it a day off. Others are there because they have to be, and X percent shouldn't be in sales to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that you're in front of training people time to time. In your observation, have you experienced something similar? Yes, and I've had to learn how to be the wake-up call that gets more of those people listening. Um, and it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I in my mind when I am in front of salespeople, I see people leaning back with their arms closed going, ah, you know, let's see if she can teach me anything. What does she know about my business? I've been in this business for 10 years. You know, she comes in, she thinks she can teach me something, and there's this huge cynicism. And then, I, you know, you hear people go, well, I suppose if I can get one little thing out of this program i suppose it was worth my time that's what i see all the time and that's what i work to overcome and so one of the things i learned to do when i do my sessions or when i give keynotes is i actually do an improv role play at the very front end like within the first 15 minutes of a program where i play the role of a crazy busy customer and and i get some of them involved too playing um my colleagues and it only takes about five minutes and different people come in and out of my office um telling me what they need from me Total improv, a lot of fun. But when that part is done, 
everybody else in the group or, or a portion of the group then will have to call and leave me a voicemail message. And I listen to that voicemail message as if I was that crazy, busy customer that they were trying to reach. And I delete people as soon as I'm bored with their message. <laughs> That's got to be fun to watch. <laughs> I don't watch it. I don't watch it. I have to turn my back to everybody because I, oh, I, okay. I finish up the role play, and, and then I say to the, the rest of the group, I say, okay, now I'm going to listen to voicemail messages. And so Bob over there or Sally over there is going to point to one of you, and if she points to you, then you need to leave your voicemail message. I will listen to it exactly as if I were your customer. So that one that person, the pointer, picks somebody. That person leaves my message. I listen. And if she says, hi, Jill, this is, you know, Sally calling from Applied Strategies. We specialize in a full line of, I just yell out, delete. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I go through probably eight to ten of them, and I ask the person who is the pointer to pick some of the stronger salespeople because um, they have enough moxie that they can recover faster. Yeah. You know, but the reality is I do that and suddenly I've got everybody's attention and they go, oh, my goodness, I had no idea yeah. how my how my verbiage, whether it's email or voicemail, was being heard by on the opposite end. That's what I've had to do to break through. And then I've got people who are willing to listen and try. Yeah. So what you're showing the audience is what oh, yeah. something you said earlier, yeah. and that is understand the world that your customer operates in. Yes. A lot of people don't get that. What's fascinating to me is typically after these sessions, I hear that role play thing was the most eye-opening thing that I've seen in a training program to date. You helped me see things I had never even thought about. Wow. And. What I try to do, because, I mean, I, I believe that sales is a thinking profession today, that the best salespeople are good thinkers. They're, they're good learners. They are very focused on analyzing and figuring out what is the best thing to do and how to continually get better. One of the things I always try to teach people, how to think from another person's perspective, yes. and specifically your customer's perspective. But you can't do that unless you've immersed yourself and have a deep understanding of who your customer is. And what they're struggling with today. And what they're struggling with, the issues that they're facing, yep. the cost of the issues that they're facing, what other areas these problems impact, that you know how it affects their ability to reach their goals. All these kinds of things are crucial for a salesperson to understand. And believe it or not, in most organizations, not a lot of time is spent doing that. It's kind of like, well, here's our stuff. Here's what we sell, and we sell to this market, and maybe here's a little bit about our typical customer, but not much, not enough, not sufficiently to have a salesperson who has enough context in their understanding and in their approach and in their conversations that elicits feelings of credibility, that this person is a credible resource who can bring value to my organization. So let's um, go back, and we're at this room again, right? We're training. Yeah. And we got um, 100 people in the room. In our original premise, before you do your exercise, we're talking to 5%. 5% are willing to listen, yeah. And let's also say that 5% that's willing to listen fit into your profile of... <laughs> they're the agile learners. They're, they're the, the agile, agile learners. Sellers. Yeah. Well, sure. I, I think there's probably a direct correlation there. Yeah. And, all right. So we, you turn to the VP of sales mm -hmm. and you say... Man, if you could recruit more of those 5%, see those 5% sitting in the corner? If you could recruit more of those, let me tell you what your organization would look like in three years. So the advice you would give on finding and recruiting those 5%ers. Well, 
Um, I'm not sure about finding, okay? I think that's more your job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but well, we... again, like I said, I would look for somebody who's learning. And I would, you know, I would ask questions related to learning. Um, I would want to be focusing on what are they doing to get better in their current job. What are they doing to get better? I would focus on a failure that they've had, you know, a tough, tough sales situation. And I'd want to know what they learned from it. I wanted to have them be talking about what mistakes they made and how they, you know, learned from it. I would really explore things like that because I want somebody who, who doesn't just take a failure and go, man, that guy was a jerk. You know, they just don't get it. I mean, that's what most salespeople will walk out of a call or if they lose a, a deal, they'll just, you know, they'll chalk it up to price or or um, features or capabilities of another person's system or services and say, well, we can't do that. That's why we lost. Well, that's bogus. It's bogus. I mean, the reality of it is research shows that the salesperson is the primary differentiator. And it's also that the salesperson is the primary differentiator for keeping business as well. And, you know, I think you mentioned relationship selling earlier when we were talking. And relationship selling is insufficient unless you're bringing value to the relationship. Yeah, more than a more than a box of donuts, right? Much more than a box of donuts. I mean, you know, you may be the best box of donuts guy in in uh, in, in all of Iowa, but if somebody comes in and goes to your customer and says, you know, I've been looking at what you're doing right here, and we're working with other similar hospitals to you, or similar you know law firms or manufacturing firms, and some of the issues that they're facing is this and this and this. I've got some ideas that could help you out. That guy's going to get an appointment and maybe start stealing your business from you. Yeah. Sooner or later, they will start paying attention to that other person. I oh, they can't help but not pay attention because that person sounds like they can make a difference. And when you're dealing with crazy, busy people, they don't want to spend time with good friends. Even if they like them, they don't have time. What they want is somebody who can come in and make a difference in their organization, first and foremost. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. Our guest is Jill Conrath. We're talking about her book, Agile Selling. And Jill, I've been dying to ask you this question for over a year. Okay, it's your last one. It's my last one. This is it. I think it was somewhere around a year ago. I, my timing may be off. You wrote an email that said, subject line, something like, I quit. Or something like, you remember that? <laughs> what did I quit? I don't know. But you said something like in your email, something like, I quit. And I, I opened the email. I said, oh, my God, Joe Conrath has quit the profession. She's getting out or that kind of stuff. And it wasn't that. I, I even forget the topic. But then you wrote a follow-up email and said, you know, I can't believe the power of subject lines and emails because here's what I wrote, this is what I intend. I got all this reaction that, you know, that people thought I was leaving the profession or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't fear, I, I can recall this. I don't know if I, you can recall writing that. My email subject line was, I'm calling it quits and here's why. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Yeah. All right. Now, but I forget... The point you were trying, because obviously you didn't quit. I mean, we're talking to you today, right? So <laughs> that didn't happen. Share with the audience the, the lesson learned from in that email. It was really fascinating because that email got tons of open rate. Oh, know, yeah, I had to. Because I'm calling it quits and here's why. I mean, I have you know thousands and thousands of people, you know, over 100,000 people read my newsletter every week. And, you know, so to get that message, it was like, whoa. You know, it was a shock message. So that tells you, number one, the power of the subject line. But the other thing that was fascinating is how many people immediately wrote to me and, you know, without reading the email, how many of them got back to me and, 
um, you know, said, oh, why are you quitting? I mean, I, you know, it, I mean, it's like everybody, nobody read it. Nobody read the email. It was too long, and they just jumped to conclusions. And so it also taught me um, a lot about how people read messaging, that they just quickly scan and how important it is to um, think of that as you write as well. Jill, if the audience wants to learn more about Agile Selling or Jill Conrath, where should they go? They should go to my website, jillconrath.com. Um, they can get a preview of, of the book there, the first couple chapters people can download. Just go to jillconrath.com, and on the front page, if you click on the icon for the um, Agile Selling book, it'll take you right to the page, and, and you can just download a preview there. Jill, yeah. as always, thanks for being on the program. Truly my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, where you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.